0: Welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, Licensed Mental Health Counselor. Calming the Chaos provides self-help resources for people in crisis. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. Thanks for tuning in. And now, let the chaos begin. And yes, the chaos has begun. Isn't this fun? Well, hello everyone. I'm Tracy and I'm here back with you for season five of calming the chaos podcast. It's been a fun summer and a break. And I always said, as long as people continue to contact me, I'll continue to calm the chaos with the help of some guests. So today, something that has actually really caused me chaos in the past and in the present is anger. And I get angry at a lot of different things, but specifically technology and the powers that be. And that actually rhymes. Fortunately, I've got Paul Zolman here with me today. And he has a unique method of using love and a spin on the love languages to help you not only manage your anger, understand it, but to find true love and to practice love as a solution to managing anger. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up Paul Zolman, who will help us calm our anger chaos. Welcome, Paul, to Calming the Chaos podcast.
1: Thank you, Tracy. Pleasure to be with you today.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to this because uh, I think when we talked last, it was right after I had filed my third quarter taxes. And so I was in a little bit of a mood, right? An anger mood. And then I talked to you and you have this whole method. So why don't you explain who you are and a little bit about this method and how you got to develop it?
1: Sounds great. Thank you very much. I I actually a a father of eight children and just uh, when you find something that you like you just keep doing it and just has different results and with those eight children just had a lot of opportunities to to love and express love and to do something different than what my family did from from way back and so it's just it's just been a, a good journey for me I grew up in an abusive child childhood and 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 to turn that around or the, uh, the residual of the anger from that childhood to overcome that has been really kind of a lifelong challenge for me until I found something that worked. And so that's what I want to share today.
0: Yeah, so I think most people have heard, and I know a lot of my clients have heard of the five love languages. And uh, so you have <laughs> developed a kind of a unique spin on the love languages and kind of made it your own technique and method about being able to mindfully practice love, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you developed the method?
1: Probably have to just back up just a little bit. And I want to tell you a little bit about um, my ancestry. And, and i only tell you that because it I think it plays a big part in, in my own transition. So back in the late 1800s, I had a grandfather that fathered nine children in Indiana. And after that ninth child was born, his wife passed away. We don't know if it was from childbirth or just what, what it was, but he was very distraught at the time. And he thought that he would... Uh, because he was so distraught, he thought he'd sell the farm, he'd sell all the equipment and just try a new circumstance, try new surroundings. When the auction happened and people came to to buy the land and the equipment, he would offer them, would you like this child? Would you like this child? Would you like this child? Until all the children were gone except for one. He took Benjamin with him, moved to Montana where he found my grandmother, she was teaching school, found her, dated and and married and had 10 more children of which my father was number six of that second set of 10 children. When my father was 10 years old, my father was born in 1922. When my father was 10 years old, his father, my grandfather passed away. So here you have 19 children with abandonment issues, Tracy. That all by itself is, is cause for a little bit of anxiety, a little bit, quite a bit of anger or just depression or just there's a lot of emotions that could go with that abandonment. But it's 1932 now, because my father was born in 22, 1932 it's the depth of the depression when this grandfather passes away. So not only is there the abandonment issues, there's financial, economic issues as well. It was just a horrible time. Um, because of that, my father was only uh, permitted or able to go through till eighth grade to get an eighth grade education. He never went past that. So he became a truck driver and was gone through throughout the week. When he came home on the weekend, he did something that I really still admire to this very day. It was a Friday. He would always take my mother out Friday night. We, the children all knew I'm number 10 of 11 children. We all knew that that was mom and dad's n- night out. But we feared it as well. We really kind of feared the, the, the weekends as they came. And the reason we feared it is because as couples would, would, they would meet and they'd say, how was your week? How was your week? And they'd just have that interaction back and forth. The venue was the problem. It was always the Maverick Bar, always over al- alcohol. And it was just, as my father became imbibed, he became very, very angry. And either we got the belt or we got a severe spanking on the weekend. That's why we dreaded the weekends. And it, there were some weekends that weren't that way because maybe we were better some weeks than other weeks. Or maybe my mother was a little happier when she made made that disclosure of how her week was. But it was just a, a time that was just really very difficult for me. I remember one time uh, especially that that my rear end was black and blue for three weeks, and it's just just it was severe in that way. I don't know if it came from his father or came from his childhood, but it's, I don't think it's genetic. Obviously not genetic, but it's something that is passed down. Anger to me, or generationally, had been passed down, and the habits of anger, the the vocabulary of anger, the words, the the humor, the Uh, Just the nuances, everything about anger almost seemed like a culture all by itself. Mm -hmm. So with that, I decided I'm going to leave home at age 17 right after my junior year of high school, moved in with my brother and uh, stayed six months there. And then his company transferred him to California. So I was in California, uh, you know, for until I got out on, on my own. and I... Decided, you know, looking at how my brother was a father, and he was a really good father, but he still had these flashes as well. And when I say flashes, Tracy, I mean that what what I noticed was was happening is that I'd have an annoyance. I was just bothered by something somebody did. It's like, what's wrong with you? It's that it was just that kind of attitude. I have this annoyance. Then it would stack. There'd be another annoyance, and another annoyance, and another annoyance and another noise, and then a flash. Just that anger would come out like that. And I, it, was, it was, became so bad that it almost would define me um, rather than the good that happened all, all the rest of the time that those flashes almost began to define me. I began blaming my father and, and his example and those things that I learned in that childhood on my father, and I blamed him up until about age 35. Mm -hmm. One thing I found out about blame, Tracy, is that if you've got somebody
0: to blame, you absolutely don't have to change. It's their fault. Right. Yeah, you see a lot of blaming going on these days too, just in our society and our world, and and a lot of anger, for sure. And then as I've taken
1: responsibility, I still am having some problems. In fact, one, one problem was about six or seven years later, that my family and I were reading the Bible in the morning, and my son, three-year-old son, was sitting in um, my wife's lap, and all of a sudden he's just flailing with his arms and and just whacks her glasses, and they fly like ten feet, and I just lose it. I slap him, mm. and, and and I felt so bad that we finished reading, of course, but it's just it's just such a complex situation here we are reading the Bible trying to be good people and then bad things happen it was just 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 uh, contradictory in that way hmm. I felt so bad that I called health and human services on myself on my way to work and, hmm. and they weren't there because it was too early and I left a message on the recording machine so I, I said I'm I slapped my son. I want some. I wanted some help. I don't want to do that again. And so, I, I had a forty, about a forty or fifty minute commute. And so, when I got to my office, I got a call from my wife, and I could not go home. I could not come see the kids until all this was resolved. So, finally, got it resolved. I actually was sentenced to eighteen months probation and one year of anger management. So when I'm going to, uh, that, was, that was their solution to this cry for help. So <clears throat> what, when I went to these anger management classes, the guys that were there did not volunteer like I did to be in that class or did not volunteer. They, they had been caught. So one guy was caught. He had his, his wife by the neck holding her up against the wall, her feet off the ground until she passed out. Another guy had beat his beat his uh, girlfriend so bad that she was in the hospital. These were the kind of guys that I was with in this anger management class. And what was just interesting to me is that they'd have us write things that happened during the week. We'd go there once a week, anything that happened during the week. And so it was almost like a confessional every time we went to this class. And the sad part about that is that <clears throat> some of the guys started – getting dropped out of the class. Because in that confessional, the, the teachers had to report, apparently they had to report what, what else was happening. And additional charges were s- stacked on these people that were trying to mm-hmm. learn anger management. It was a really mm-hmm. hard class. What I found so beneficial from that class though, was that there was this, what they call the wheel of abuse. And in that wheel of abuse, I actually had felt like I'd been trained in about five or six different areas of abuse. I didn't know. I didn't know that was abuse. And so I was kind of at the point, a realization that came that I didn't know what I didn't know. and But I started to learn. And when as I learned what was abuse, I thought, well, what would be the opposite of that? Because if I knew what the opposite of what that abuse was, then I could nurture and try to get that character trait rather than do the abuse. And so I like to compare it. um, You know, the other day I was walking and I found a stick. Just didn't have any bark on it. It's just this this stick like this. And on one, one end of the stick, it's just nice and smooth, really nice. You can put your hand on it. It's a walking stick. But the other end of it, you can see it has a sharp points where some branches may have been. And anyway, I call that the naughty side of the stick. So it's yeah. a naughty and nice stick. And I'm sure Santa Claus has a stick just like that.
0: That's yeah.
1: how you get your presents at Christmas time, Christy.
0: Yeah, or a lump of coal in my stocking, which I usually get, right? Oh, yeah. oh. Wow. Well, so so in, in other words, anger can be passed down gen- intergenerationally or so we think, right? And then uh, behaviorally, even if we decide that we don't want any part of it, it can come up reflexively and the blame, right? The blame can go on somebody else. And if you would put it on your dad in that moment, then you may not have ever called the, uh, the services that you did and then never had gotten into anger management, which I don't know. Did anger management do you any good, do you think?
1: So as I was mentioning that, knowing that wheel of abuse really helped me understand that I, I grew up being trained how to be abusive, and I didn't even know that that's what was happening to me. I didn't even know that some of those things that I were doing were abusive. I didn't never thought of it that way. So I think it's very helpful in that way to find out as far as the stick goes, what side of the spectrum? Is it on the naughty side of the spectrum or on, on the nice side of the stick? Then when <clears> I'm <throat> figure out the spectrum and then you find out where you are on the spectrum. I didn't find out exactly where I was. I thought that after that anger management class that I was fine, everything was good. Until I it ended my first marriage and then I was dating for a while. And then in this dating process, I found a woman that I wanted to take to big brother for big brother approval. Like I said, I'm number 10 of 11 children. You have to have, in that position, you gotta have big brother approval. So first thing we did was I walked in there and my sister-in-law pulled aside this, this woman and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first I denied it, still denied it, said, uh-uh, and then it made me mad. And I thought, <laughs> huh, you know, at that point in time, I realized that I've got an opportunity to change this, change it for the whole course of any generations past me that I can change that perception of the Zolman family. And so I started reading The Color Color Code and other books about love, trying to get out of this culture of anger that has the words and the vocabulary and just that whole culture, the nuances, the humor, humor, humor everything that's in that culture, try to get away from that, knowing that now I've been identified at the naughty end of the stick. Mm-hmm. I got to get over to the other side of the stick. So... <clears throat> knowing the spectrum, knowing where you are on the spectrum, you've got three choices. You can stay the same, you can go more naughty, or you can go toward the nice end of the stick. I just chose, I wanted to be on the nice end of the stick. So reading the color codes and then the five love languages, uh, I like the principles of the five love languages. And the reason I like those principles is they seem to reconcile to my upbringing. We had an upbringing about about the scriptures, about Jesus Christ, and they reconciled to the life of Jesus Christ. I wanted to do that. I wanted to try to be as good as as that man was. <clears throat> so so I settled on that, but i, I didn't I didn't get the principles of of that. Of, I didn't understand the application that Dr. Chapman was trying to trying to do. Uh, to me it was like guesswork and I'm a really bad guesser was If I like if I guess Tracy what love language you are and I cater to that we're going to be buddies but I'm a bad guesser and most likely it's not going to happen it's really a big chance and the other application was that well if I take this survey then I know what my love language is well what do I do with that? Advertise hello mm-hmm. Tracy I'm gifts what do you have for me today? I mean it's just <laughs> a little awkward, really awkward. That didn't work for me either. In fact, in fact, guessing and, and telling people what their love language is so they could cater to you didn't sound like love to me. Now, who am I to talk about what love is coming from where I was? But I know that didn't sound like love to me. It just did not. So, so I thought, you know what? Our, my family got together as when we were younger and, and played games. So I thought, maybe I can make it a game. So I contacted Dr. Chapman, even in the benefit of the doubt, asking him if they'd they'd license those icons that they had for each one of the love languages. And they're from 1992, rather dated, so they said no, they weren't doing that at the time. So I talked to a copyright intellectual property attorney here in town. He said that theory is not copyrightable, application is. So I made my own icons and then I made it into a game. And mm. it's on each on this, in the game, it's just a dice. You just roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice all day that day.
0: Right, yeah, so the people who are familiar with the five love languages will typically say, my love language is physical touch, or my love language is acts of service, and my partner's love language is this, and so we're spending our lives trying to do that love language that the other partner needs, right? And so we have been sort of raised with that, and your theory is we can be all of those, plus a surprise, right?
1: Exactly. And it and it's not, no longer, Tracy, is it a part-time job because you're not with your significant other all day long. So that to me, that's just part-time. What if you were, if you practice it, like Dr. Chapman said, and then you go to work and you don't have to practice it at work because you're not with your significant others. And then you forget when you come home and then just so confusing. This makes it more consistent. <clears throat> so it's to everyone and, and I wanna just insert here that I created this when I was single. I really didn't have a significant other. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to do it to everyone, everyone that I met, everyone everyone possible, or every opportunity I saw to love in that genre for the day. And what it did for me, it gave me, gave me a familiarity with all five love languages. Even after reading the, the five love language book, four or five times, I couldn't t- tell you. If you offered a million dollars, I still couldn't tell you what the five love languages r- were because it didn't come inside me. It, I just, because of where I came from, it did not resonate inside me. So by giving it away, by finding some activities that, that uh, would be appropriate with that genre, giving it away all day for a 30-day period, I found that I knew all five love languages to give it away the best part about that is it increased my peripheral vision so that i could see it when it comes my way so no longer tracy is there that little whiny voice that said well i told you what my love language is how come you're not doing it and it's just you don't have to go to that pity party anymore you just don't have to go there it's you the only thing you have control over is giving it away and reacting when it comes to your way
0: Yeah, that voice. It sounded quite like a banshee, I must say, Paul. Well done. Yeah. So the concept is you get the die and you uh, roll it every day. And so you have uh, on your website some uh, products that you are uh, putting out there to help people and it comes with the die. You can get the die by itself, you can get the die in a book and or the die in the journal. I actually ended up getting all three, so it's super cool that we are here today because I can share with you some of my experiences and answer any questions that you might have because here I am thinking I'm mad at the IRS And uh, I'm justified and they are to blame, right? All these things you were saying, and it's probably passed on because my dad used to have this book called uh, How to Outsmart the IRS and it was a coffee table book right there. And so it's probably passed down from generations, I would think, right? And uh, so then I think, all right, so let's just give this a try for 30 days. And let me go ahead and show the audience here something I'm gonna do. Yeah, so you see this dice tray here. Right. Okay. So, this is what I'm going to do to demonstrate some of Paul's products. This product is the die, the die that he was talking about. And it comes in this really super cool uh, dome sort of thing. And it's not like you push it and it spins. So, you have to take it out. But we've made sure to preserve the hearts because we thought that was pretty neat. So, what you do is every day you take the die, which now we have the Love language of words, gifts. This is touch, service. De put gifts? Yeah. And then the time. There's time. Of course we have surprise, which is some place where it is a surprise. Oh, there it is. There's surprise. Surprises there. So what you do is you just roll it. Oh, it's a surprise. I kind of like surprise because that gives you the opportunity to keep in mind all of the love languages you have. It's kind of like a catch-all. You can do whatever with that. Uh, And so let me just show you. Hi, here I am. Um, This is the book that I used to use. (laughs) Don't get mad, get even. Uh, and that was uh, this is put out by bottom line, and it has it's actually a very good book. But here's Paul's books. Here is his book called "A Role of Love."
1: The book is is more about a lot of the experiences that I've had, and I've had several experiences that since that time, but it's a lot of people that have tested the products and those stories are included there. But it's also about some of the other roles that that are included in, in love. Um, I've included the role of authenticity, I included the role of observation, things that are also help compound that love so that makes it a whole lot more meaningful. When you're rolling the die, you're watching for people to light up. When they light up, you just take note that that's possibly their primary love language, and it may be different than what they took on the survey, as Tracy had mentioned people take the survey they find out what their primary love language is in fact i've had several people within the community i'm in say that they thought they were service so the husband is just washing the car doing the dishes vacuuming the floors doing all this and she's not lighting up but when he rolled the die and it was words that day she started lighting up like she never had before and it was just very interesting that the accuracy of the die is a whole lot more accurate, I think, than than any survey. You can skew any survey, but you can't really you can't really skew and a uh, feeling or a spontaneous some uh, something spontaneous that comes out of someone from something kind that comes to them. That's what the book's about.
0: Great, thank you for letting us know. And then you also provide a journal, which is the Roll of Love Journal. And uh, this journal has been interesting uh, to be able to keep track of. So every day, my husband and I both have rolled the die. And so he takes one page and I take another. Let's get to a blank page here. Uh, blank page is gonna have, um, you're gonna have the date and then you you mark what you roll. And then you write down what your opportuni- opportunities are. Uh, and then some thoughts and results so we've been doing since these are on both two pages we've been doing him and i both have been doing it probably since let's look at the date The date we started was the 8th of August. Uh, Today is the 18th. We had a little bit of a chaotic uh, morning today, so we didn't uh, roll, but we might roll later. But we basically what we do is keep in mind what our love language is for the day, and we just do it. And it's uh, really super neat to be able to have that intention to practice whatever love language comes up for us on the die and roll it. And I don't know if I would say that I have had a significant uh, change yet, but I did notice that today when we were uh, we were going to uh, have our annual, not annual, semi-annual vet visit. Uh, so we have this big cat who has a thyroid problem and he's big and he's got claws and he likes to bite. So it's always a big hassle getting him to the vet. I'll tell you this morning went as smooth as it, it's never gone that smooth getting him into the cat carrier and off to the vet. We didn't snap at each other. Usually it's me that does the snapping. Uh, no snapping was done today, uh, and even the cat didn't snap. So I don't know. Maybe it is uh, because of the die and we've been rolling it, and we've been keeping track in the journal, and and everything like that. But you know, I have to say, I did lose my temper with a colleague the other day, but I did pretty much apologize afterwards, and we worked it out. So. Anybody who does business with me, they better beware because I, I do have a bit of a temper if somebody gets in the way of me doing business. And so so colleagues are people who I get on my nerves sometimes and uh, I get a little snippy. So this time I made a repair and I said, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that to you in that way and I'm sorry.
1: Perfect, that's great. I have a great story for you, Tracy, too. And I forgot to tell it to, to you earlier, um, but I w- recalled it, um, that it's about the IRS or, or the, for me, it was the sales tax commission here in the state where I'm at. They sent me a letter a couple months ago that said I owed $2,500. I said, I don't think so. And so when I called them, um, you know, they always, they answer and, and then the person says their name. So she says, says their name, says, and says could you spell that for me? She said, K-A-T-Y-A. And it, to me that sounded like Katya. And I said, I just off handed, I just sometimes make off handed comments. I said, you have a perfect name for where you work. Who, who else would thought that, thought that that would be a perfect place to work? She, no one had ever said that to her or dared say it to her. And she just laughed hysterically and immediately just went to work to, to zero out that $2,500. It was for a corporation that was closed. So they have a a policy that even if they're a closed corporation, if you don't report, they automatically throw that fine out there. So she zeroed it out, zeroed out the corporation, perfect. And it's just one of those things that just a little humor, just a little kindness gets you a whole lot farther than what anger will. Anger will put, you know, people will, the horns will come out on the head and just those type of things just it, it works better a little bit of kindness is like the sugar it just mm. makes the medicine go down a little bit better
0: that is so funny because uh, when you said katya i was thinking the same thing and i also thought about uh, rich and rob who work in the bank And uh, I always thought those were perfect names for people who are bankers or worked in a bank, Rich and Rob. And uh, so uh, let's take a quick trip over to your website real quick here. This is a really super cool uh, website here, if you can see it all right. Yeah. And this is an interesting. So we've got the the roll of love book, and usually it's like kind of uh, streaming across, like it'll it, it's in motion usually. But here's the book and the die, and here are all the combinations of things that you can you can purchase if you'd like. Anything you want to say about your website or about your products and services, Paul?
1: Developing products, and soon we'll have soon we'll have an app that you can put on your phone, and then after that we're going to have some workshops, and we're just going to keep adding some more products to it. Um, I really like the idea of uh, actually putting the die and the journal in a school system. And probably grades, I'm talking about grades K through six, because I think that the young children, they stay in the same classroom. There's more more, uh, uh, opportunity to show them how to be accountable for their own actions. When children learn how to be accountable for their own actions, they'll, uh, they'll be a lot better people than they'll, they'll be just be responsible at a younger age. Remember in my story that I didn't realize that I was accountable for my own actions until like age 35. If we can narrow, get that back down to the, to the grade school level that they're accountable for their own actions, it'll tamp out or tamp down the, the misbehaving but it also might eliminate a lot of the bullying that might go on. If, if the class, as a class, rolled the die first thing in the morning, a couple seconds, maybe a minute at the maximum of the day of the teacher, I know they're already busy and teaching what they're teaching, but in the last 10 to 15 minutes of the day, the kids have been there all day. They're antsy, they know the bell's gonna ring and it's just kind of a non-productive time. That's the time you pull out the journal page and have each, each child right on right on that journal page what the class they rolled as a class that day what opportunities they saw to love in that way that day then what what did they do about those opportunities just think of it this way Tracy if you had a journal a love journal from your first grade class or your second grade class your third grade class that is something that you would treasure right now at this time and if you have children you'd probably share that with your children to say this is how this is opportunities I saw to love as a first grader Mm. This is, and this is what I did about that.
0: Yeah, and I would like to know uh, who would have wrote, written in his love journal or her love journal who uh, smashed into my Woody Woodpecker lunchbox and uh, broke my thermos when I was in second grade. I would like to be able to read through their journal and see what their process is. So, yes, very good reasons for having the die and journal pages in the school systems Uh, for sure. So please give uh, Paul's website a look and uh, check out his products and services and uh, really uh, a lot of really cool things. It's more like setting an intention for the day and -hmm. then you can practice it. Like I noticed I was practicing it on my cats, spending quality time with my cats. And I kind of roll my eyes because it's like, I don't have time to spend quality time, but it does make you look for those opportunities to do those things. It does make you feel a bit better when you have better words come out of your mouth, uh, more quality time spent, and gifts. I don't think I've gotten that one yet, but I've gotten physical touch. It was a day when I was going to be spending a whole day plus extra time with clients. And I said, oh, this is going to be easy. I don't get to touch my clients. So it was pretty easy. But when I came home, I petted my cats and I hugged my husband and all that other stuff that you're supposed to do. And, And it was fun. I really enjoyed it.
1: Oh, good, good. I'm so so glad to hear that's working working well for you, Tracy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, thanks for introducing me to that. Do you have any closing thoughts or comments that you want to make? It's been great having you on the show.
1: Thank you very much. Just one closing comment that um, you know I like to compare life to kind of a magnifying glass. When you have a magnifying glass, you're enlarging things. If we use a magnifying glass to to enlarge the faults of others or the weaknesses of others, that's a boomerang. That's coming right back at you. And do you want people to look at your own faults? Most people don't. So the better idea is to focus on what's right about people. It's maybe something that they've never even recognized themselves. And it just really makes their day. That's if we start being kind of a love starter, is what I like to call it. If we send out love and start love, it's going to they're going to spread that around to people that they have influence over. And then those people are going to spread it to people they have influence over. It has a calming effect. That's what yeah. we need. We, we world doesn't need any more critics. We need more love starters sending it out.
0: Yeah, and this isn't to be cheesy or anything, because I use the the word love quite quite easily, and I know some people reserve it for special occasions, but love is a universal thing that happens uh, throughout communities, and uh, just that unconditional positive regard that we have for other humankind Mm -hmm. comes up, and so some people will kind of roll their eyes at me when I say, you know, use the concept of love or I love you, and I throw it around pretty loosely, Uh, and yet, you know, it can have benefits. Uh, far beyond what you know. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Good good on you, Tyson. Good. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. And so I wanted to, in closing, ask you when we talked before, you said something about about the word Namaste. I, I, you know, I love using that word, but I didn't know what the true meaning of Namaste is. And you told me. I always thought it was uh, a Namaste, have a nice day. Uh, But you said something different. Uh, So what is it that uh, Namaste actually means? So that we can end on a really positive note here.
1: So i found out that the meaning of namaste from the Tibetan monks was the God in me sees the God in you, or said another way, the divine in me sees the divine in you. And I just think that that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to look for those positive things in, in people and, and focus on that.
0: Great. Yes. Well, uh, namaste, Paul. Thank you for being All on right. Calling the Chaos today.
1: Thank you, Tracy.
0: Thanks for listening to calming the chaos podcast. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, please like subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also go to www.calmingthechaospodcast.com to listen to all calming the chaos podcast episodes. I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care. (laughs) Palette <laughs> of the Moon or something like that.